to talk to you about keeping hope alive. This is the last sermon in our essential series. And one of the things we have to remember is that it's important that we keep hope alive. Um, actually, why don't we all just say that? Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. We have to decide and make a choice that we want to keep hope alive, that hope is alive in our hearts. And hope is the anchor for our souls. Hope is that anchor for our soul. You know, I think about a ship and has an, and has an anchor. And um, when, the, when the anchor goes down, it's there to stabilize and to make sure that that, that boat is not going to capsize or something isn't going to happen to that boat. And that's the same in our lives. When we have our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ and him alone, what happens is we are secure and we're stabilized by God. And so when the storms of life come, and they will come because the Word of God says we are going to have persecutions, we're going to have trials, we're going to have things that come into our life, but when those things happen, we need to understand that when we're, our hope and our faith is in Christ Jesus, that it will keep us from um, capsizing or from it, those waves taking us down. And so hope is the anchor for our soul. And this is why it's so important to speak what God says about us, not what our circumstances say. It's really easy to let our circumstances or what we're walking through dictate what we believe about God. But our hope cannot be in the external things. Otherwise, we're going to be joyful and happy when things are going good. And then when things are going bad or we're having a storm or an issue or circumstances are challenging in our life, we're going to get depressed, we're going to get fearful, we're going to get worried and anxious. But when our hope is in Jesus, that keeps us stabilized so that we are not faltering like that. You know, it's also possible when the storms of life hit us to stop believing in God altogether because at one time we, we'll, um, we can say something like, you know, we put our hope in God one time. We trusted God one time, and he disappointed me. How many of you guys have walked through something like that? You've said, we blame God. I think every one of us have blamed God for things in our life that God had nothing to do with. God gets blamed for a lot of things in our life that he has nothing to do with. We have to understand that when sin entered the world, it entered the world through Adam and Eve. And before that, it was a perfectly tranquil world full of peace. But when sin entered the world, it brought in with it all this destruction, all this death, all this sickness, all the things that we fight right now are, not, are because that sin entered the world. And so we live in a fallen world, and so sometimes we are dealing with things in our life that absolutely God did not bring into the world, but they are natural consequences of the sin that was led into the world. And so... Um, we can't have our hope on the external things. We have to learn to trust God when we don't understand the outcome. I personally decided that there are just some things I'm not going to understand until I get to heaven. You know, a lot of times we're trying to control a situation, we're trying to figure something out, and we have to understand we just are not going to be able to control the situation. We are not the ones that are in control. God is in control. 
So we have to know that God has good plans for our life, and at the same time, the devil has plans for our life. Did you know that? God has plans for our life, but the enemy also has plans for our life. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full. So when he came to the cross, he actually took back what the enemy had stolen from us. So now we are able to walk in freedom because of what Christ has done. That's why we can have an abundant life. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we can walk in the abundant life that God has already purchased for us. So I was thinking about this. Maybe we believe God for a miracle or for a promotion or for a relationship to be healed or a marriage to be restored. And none of those things happened. And so maybe we stopped to believe God. We stopped believing God altogether. Or we're, really, or, or we're in the process of we've, maybe we're losing hope. Does that make sense? Because it's really easy to focus on the tangible things, the things that you can see, feel, touch, and smell. But it's the spiritual. The things of God are not always in the seen realm. They're mostly in the unseen realm. So as believers, we live a life of faith. And faith is trusting in a God that you cannot see, but you know is real. I believe in a God that I cannot see, but I know he's real. I know that he died on a cross over 2,000 years ago. I know that he paid the price for my sin over 2,000 years ago. And today I declare and decree because I know the word of God. I know what is true. I know that the facts don't always line up with what the truth is. I have to make a decision to choose and believe that God is a God of his word. And if he promises something, he will come through. I have to believe that. I continue to put my hope and my faith and my trust in Christ alone. As believers, we live a life of faith, and faith is trusting in a God that we cannot see but we know is real. Hope is not in the seen but the unseen. In Ephesians chapter 6, I want to read this, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to there. It's going to be right up here on the screen. Verse 11 through 13 says this, Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you're going to be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand stand. Amen. So what we see here is that we understand that God has a plan, but the enemy has a plan. In fact, that first verse, it says against the devil's schemes. So man, the devil has schemes. He's scheming against you. Do you know that? Do you understand that you're not, our struggle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against the rulers, against the authorities. It is, it's against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So when our struggle's not against flesh and blood, what that means is flesh and blood is what I can see. It's the tangible things in my life. So I'm not fighting against my husband. 
I'm not fighting against my coworker. I'm not fighting against my children. I'm not fighting against those things in my life that I can't see. I'm not, it is the, in the spiritual realm is where we're fighting things, okay? So sometimes we're accusing our brothers and sisters of things or our, our husband or our wife or whatever. And it's not, those, those are the accusations of the enemy. They are not who we're actually fighting. Amen? Amen. So we put on the full armor of God because when the day of evil comes, we can stand. So we have to really understand that there is a day of evil that does come. And so we just, we stand our ground when we know our hope and our faith and our trust is in Christ. So here's a definition of hope from Webster's Dictionary. And I wanted to read this to you. It says, hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or the events will turn out for the best. Like to give hope, like I hope I win the game or I hope I get that promotion. As a verb, it says to believe, desire, or trust in. But can I say Christ-centered hope is different? The definition that we like to use here is it's a confident expectation of good. Confident expectation of good. Our hope and our faith and our trust is in Christ alone and that's what separates us from the world. And that means hope doesn't waver when circumstances, when our circumstances look impossible because our God is a God of the impossible. I want to say that again. Our hope doesn't waver when our circumstances look impossible because we serve a God of the impossible. Our circumstances do not waver. Our our, our hope does not waver when our circumstances look impossible. God is the God of the impossible. Have you ever had a circumstance that surrounded you that looked impossible? We have a decision to make at that point. We can either trust what God says about us and about what this, this situation, or we can lose hope. God does not want us to lose hope. He wants us to put all of our hope, all of our faith, all of our trust in him. Now, although this may seem very elementary, I will tell you it is not always easily walked out. That's why it's part of this essential series. We need to remember that our hope is in Christ alone. And you may think you're a pastor. You've never had any hard or challenging things happen to you. It's easy for you to declare that God is a God of the impossible because, like, you're a pastor. You get paid to do that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) My friends know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'll tell you right now, that is so not true. In fact, if, you, if we go back to that Ephesians scripture, I mean, for us as pastors, sometimes we feel like we're really more on the front lines because we're trying to bring the truth to you and the enemy does not want you to hear the truth. So we feel like there's arrows coming at us right and left a lot of the times. And so we have to make sure that our mind stays like uh, focused on the word of God and that we do not waver our hope either. So, you know, I've watched my husband's mom pass away of cancer when we were believing God for healing. I just want to give you a few things that have happened in my life. I've seen both of my sister-in-laws pass away of cancer when we were believing God for healing. You know, as we even talk about when Richie was doing communion, I was thinking, you know, so many of the times there's been a lot of things in our personal life that we have believed God and we haven't necessarily seen it happen on this side of heaven, but we we will not stop believing what God's word says. I mean, we just won't. We just keep, we're going to keep declaring it and keep believing it until we see it happen. 
That means I don't believe, I believe God's word more than I believe the circumstances. I've walked through some, very, some major church hurt in my life. I've had people lie about me, say hurtful things to me and about me, where I cried for days on end. I've had people say horrible things to and about my husband and my kids. And when you start talking bad about my kids, you just better watch out. Because I'm get I like get the mama bear kind of thing. Richie's going, what about me? But I mean, like, you know, it's the mama bear thing coming out, you know? <laughs> of course you too, babe. <laughs> but I remember a situation one time where this lady had called me and she was just mad about something. And this, this was years ago, but for some reason this, this came to my mind this week. So I don't know why, but she called me and was just telling me and she was kind of ripping me up one side and down the other. And I got off the phone and I was so upset because I'm, I try to, to really work with people really. Um, and I'm a kind of a people pleaser to be completely honest. It's probably a good thing and a bad thing, but I was so upset at the end of the conversation that I took our white, you know, those big phones that you used to have at your house. <laughs> that we don't have anymore but I used to I had that phone in my hand and I just I pushed the end button and I mean I just threw it across my bedroom and it smashed into a bunch of pieces and I was just I was dealing with some serious anger I was frustrated I was hurt I was wounded and I said I just don't know if I can do this anymore like I think I just don't know if the sacrifice is worth it you know have you ever felt that way before I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know. People are just too mean. And I had to make a decision to just say, you know what? I'm going to continue to follow God out of obedience, not because it's what I feel like doing right now. I've had people walk out of my life that I loved dearly. I've had people be kind to me in front of me and later find out they were stabbing me in the back. Our family has walked through the most challenging year of our life, and yet I choose to believe and declare that hope is alive. Amen. Amen. Hope is alive today. In all these circumstances, we have to choose to keep hope alive. It's not going to come naturally. It's not, and it cannot be based on our feelings because our feelings are going to mislead us. Our feelings are going to say one thing when God's word says another thing. So we cannot go based on our feelings because we're going to get our feelings hurt. We're going to get disappointed from time to time. But we have to keep our hope and our faith and our trust in Christ alone. We must settle into what we know God says about us and not what anyone else says about us. Because even good people can say things that don't line up with God's word or his promises. You understand that good people can sometimes say things that don't line up with God's word. And so we have to know what God's word is to know what, what, uh, what to believe and what not to believe. That is one of the reasons it's so important for you to get into a quiet time with God on a daily basis, to read the scripture, to get to know who God is and let him speak into your life. The facts speak one thing, but God's word speaks another. And you have to choose who you're going to listen to. Whose report are you going to believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. Amen? There was an old song we used to sing, like, I don't know, it was probably back in the 80s, and it was like um, the worship leader would go, whose report are you going to believe? And the congregation would go back, we will believe the report of the Lord. And that's what we have to do. Whose report? The question is out there, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what your circumstances are saying to you right now that look very devastating and you don't think that there's hope? 
Or are you going to believe the report of the Lord that says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? That God is a healer. He can heal your emotions. He can heal your heart. He can heal your marriage. He can heal anything that you give to him. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is David. And he's a, man, I love, I love David in the Bible. He just, he's such a worshiper and he's a songwriter. He's a warrior. He becomes the greatest king in Israel's history. And he's one of the most expressive people about, in the Bible, about the trials he's facing and the emotions that accompany those trials. And I love David's honesty. Don't you love it when somebody can just be honest with how they're feeling about something? And he would, he would talk about those things. And then I, there was a scripture that he, he says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope, put your faith, put your trust in Christ. You know, sometimes he had to speak to himself. Do you know, sometimes you're going to have to speak God's word to yourself. Because you need to speak it to yourself because right at the moment you don't have it in you. And so you, if you don't have somebody speaking life to you, you got to start speaking it over yourself. Whose report are you going to believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. His report says, I am healed. I am saved. I am delivered. I've been set free. All the chains, all the addictions, they are gone. They've been broken off of my life in Jesus' name. That's the report I'm going to believe. So why? Why is David's confidence so strong? I want to read uh, Psalms 27. Verse 1 through 3, and I love this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Man, he is very strong, isn't he? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Man, he was a confident kind of guy, wasn't he? But his confidence was not in himself. His confidence was in the Lord. You see, many years before, he has slain a lion. He's, he's killed a bear, and he's killed Goliath. And he knows that his God is going to take care of him. When he says, the Lord's my light and my salvation, what he's doing is he's declaring who God is. And then he says, the Lord's my light and my salvation. So who, who, whom shall I fear? The Lord's the stronghold of my life. Who can I be afraid? If God's for me, then who can be against me? So when the wicked advance to uh, devour me, then this is, I love this. He says, it's going to be my enemies and my foes foes who are going to stumble and fall. I love that. You know, we've just even spoken this year. The enemy has no idea who he's messing with. Because I'm telling you what the enemy's tried to bring into our life, God's going to turn it around. And I'm telling you, more people are going to find freedom than have ever found freedom in their life. Those things are going to be turned around. That's the kind of confidence that David had. Why is David's confidence so strong? It's because his hope is not in his circumstances. It's in the Lord. Verse 20, um, verses 4 and 5 go on to say, One thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling, and he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high on a rock. This is the key. His eyes, man, when he says this, I love this. That he would, the one thing he would ask of the Lord, that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. You know what that means? David just wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. 
He just wanted to be in the temple. He just wanted to be where worship was going on, where praise was going on. He wanted to be in the presence of God. Now, if you want to see life change happen, you get in the presence of God. You get in the presence of Jesus to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He was always talking about how beautiful the Lord was. And this is the key. His eyes and his gaze and his focus were on the Lord, not on the fact Not on the fact that he was being pursued by King Saul who wanted to kill him. Keeping his eyes on the Lord was the key to David having the ability to put all his hope in the Lord. Verse 10 says this, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Man, have you ever felt rejected by your own family or betrayed by close friends? Well, many... Many of us have, and if not, there's a good possibility you're going to feel that at some point in your life. But we cannot lose hope. We have to believe that God is working out all things for our good in his glory. And this is where so many people get stuck because they lose hope right here. We don't really believe that God is good, and we begin to put our confidence in our circumstances instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because of our past disappointments, we really don't believe that God is good. And because of our past mistakes and our hurts, they taint our view of how good God really is. Maybe you've walked through a bad breakup or had someone violate your trust. Maybe you've lost a family member that you weren't expecting and you expected God to heal them. And they went to be with Jesus, but it caused confusion or anger toward God. Maybe someone close to you said some very painful and hurtful things. And now that relationship that was so close is now broken. And you're trying to figure out how, if ever, can that be mended? Maybe something traumatic caught you by surprise and you've not recovered from it. In all these cases and many more not named here, we have a choice to make. We can either become a victim of our circumstances and let hope die. Or we can choose to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep hope alive. Everybody say, keep hope alive. We have to believe that what God's word says is true. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, or hope and a future. There's no, if there's no hope in the future, there is no power in the present, meaning if you can't look ahead and see that there's, there is hope for what, what could be, then there, there's no power in the present to see that, that you can continue to press on um, in the present things that, that you're walking through. So if you don't really believe God has good plans for you, you cannot have hope for the future. Hope is being able to see that there is a light despite all the darkness, and there's never a problem that can defeat hope. We never lose hope when our eyes are on Jesus. I want to take a minute and explain what keeping your eyes on Jesus means, because we've said that a lot, and we continue to say that, and you hear us say that here um, a lot, keep your eyes on Jesus. What that means is our circumstances are surrounding us, and instead of focusing on the negative things that are happening around us, what we do is we, we put our hope and our, our trust and our confidence on Christ. We worship him when we don't feel like worshiping him. We praise him when we don't feel like praising, praising him. We put our hope and our confidence in him, and we choose to let go and give him full control. That is a big one because it's hard for us sometimes to let go and let God have control because he will not rip it out of your hands. He wants you to give it to him. He'll let you keep walking around that mountain as many times as you want to. 
He's the author and the finisher of our faith, and we have to know that we're safe in his hands. He will never leave us, and he's never going to forsake us. He's always with us in the good times and in the bad times. We do not lose, we do not hope as the world hopes, but our confidence is in Christ alone. And hope is the thing that causes us to press on because we know that things can change. Why don't we say this? Things can change. Things can change. Okay, in closing, I just want to talk about this because I think this will be a great takeaway for us. In Psalm 27, it says, in verse 13 and 14, it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When I'm going through a challenging time, I repeat that over and over again. I declare, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will, I will, I will. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Our hearts are planted in the goodness of the Lord, and we continue to put our hope and our faith and our trust in Christ alone and remain confident even if everything around us is falling apart. We declare as David did, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and we will be confident in this. So I want to just close by just praying for anybody here that might have lost hope or your hope is wavering. And you need to make a choice today to put your hope in Christ, in Christ alone, and not in anything else. Maybe you need to let some past hurts go and give them to Jesus, and maybe you need to forgive somebody. But today you're saying, my hope is not going to be based on my circumstances any longer. I'm going to remain confident in the goodness of the Lord.